0: I missed you, I did, I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Arkansas, which by the way, what a great spot, as long as Arkansas is beating you, but they they get a little surly when they're losing. Anyway, hey, welcome, we got a lot to get to all week long. Last week we set a record for engagements on YouTube, we want to get even more, so let's go. Share, put our YouTube thing out there, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, Last night, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Celtics quit like dogs. I mean, they quit, and everybody's blaming the coach. Oh, it's got to be the coach. Why has it got to be the coach? They're paying $35 million to Jason Tatum to do what? Quit? Is that what they're paying him to do? I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're paying him to win games. I mean, 128 to 102 does not even begin to tell the story of, of the Celtics, and how god-awful they were. They were horrendous. And I'll give the coach credit, Joe Missoula, West Virginia guy, but not really a West Virginia guy. See, being a West Virginia guy, uh, it's not really when Beeline was there. West Virginia was honorable when Beeline and myself were there, when Huggins and Catlett and those idiots are there, not honorable. So Joe Missoula is just a good guy, and all of a sudden, let's see here. Let's just look. $30 million for Jason Tatum. $29,776,000 for Jalen Brown. $26,500,000 for Al Horford. Brogdon, we know what Brogdon's about. Brogdon's about nothing. $22,600,000 for Brogdon. Some dude named Derek White is making $17,000. Marcus Smart is making $17,000. And they quit like dogs. Woof, 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 woof. Let's just not show. Let's just not try. By the way, friend of the show, Duncan Robinson Gets 22, and every African-American on TV decided they were going to use the code words. Well, Duncan Robinson gets to the rib. Your team stinks. Oh, look. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't say white boy. That's how racist it got with Duncan Robinson. It's ridiculous. People should be ashamed of themselves. But, hey, that's the world we're in. We let that go, right? Because, well, it's directed at a white dude. But Duncan Robinson balled out. Duncan Robinson, best thing that happened, I said this at the time, best thing that happened to the Heat was Tyler Hero getting hurt because Tyler Hero is a me, I, 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 I guy. He, He doesn't understand who he is. He's an insecure little kid. And Duncan Robinson's a damn man. A grown-ass man. So Duncan Robinson comes out. Jimmy Butler facilitates. All right, so the Celtics lose. The Celtics get trounced. And don't ever do this as a coach. We know your team didn't show. We know this. But don't ever take the blame. Here's Joe Missoula taking the blame for not having $30 million players ready. I'll check a best. Let's hear from Missoula. Just completely lost after the first six minutes. What exactly happened out there? Uh... I just
1: didn 't have them ready to play Over the last 48 oh, hours geez. yeah, just I just didn't have them ready to play. I should have uh, whatever it was, whether it was a starting lineup or it was an adjustment just I have to get them in a better place, ready to play, and that's on me.
0: There you go. no, don't ever do that. don't ever do that. I tell you the story. All the time about that Italian guy Pellini, who was coaching at Nebraska. He was like nine and three. Well, if that's not good enough, they can fire me. Well, I said on ESPN, don't say that because guess what? They will fire you. They will fire you. Everybody knows the team wasn't ready. Hey, people ask me what happened at in Indiana. You know, you took over a team, you you went three and four. I go, I don't know, I made them stop smoking weed, and the star player, Eric Gordon, went seven for 51 on threes. What do you want me to tell you? What do you want me to tell you? I mean, hey, you can blame me all you like. I don't care. But, hey, when the star player goes seven for 51, and these guys revolt because, well, there's too much weed being smoked, and I said don't smoke it, Uh, if that's on me, then that's on me. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. But Joe Missoula, baby, don't ever do that. Don't do that ever. Never, ever. Nothing good happens when you blame yourself. Everybody's going to blame you anyway. Your $30 million players show up like dogs. These dudes have made hundreds of millions of dollars together. Everybody knows Brogdon's going to add nothing but a few jump shots once in a while. No. 11 for 42, three-pointers. That's too many field goals, uh, three-pointers. All right, now we're going to get to Mike Malone, the coach of the Denver Nuggets, who, by the way, go for the sweep tonight. Yeah, they do. They go for the sweep over LeBron James, who's only been swept in the finals. I agree. Let me go back to Missoula for a second. Uh, That's a coach that looks over his head. He does. But fake it till you make it, baby. All right, let's hear from Mike Malone on his team.
1: And that was, I remember being in the, in the bus with him, going to the airport after he did the injury in Golden State the next day, and he had tears in his eyes. And that was the message. Hey, man, you're going to come back from this, and not only are you going to come back, you're going to be better. And, that's, that's, and that moment, it's really hard to believe that. And his first thought was, man, you, are you guys going to trade me? And, and, and really, and that was his... I'm damaged goods. Are you guys going to trade me now? And I I hugged him. I said, hell no. Like, you're ours. We love you. We're going to help you get back, and you're going to be a better player for us.
0: Yeah, that was Mike Malone talking about Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray got hurt. He wanted to play so bad. You know what's interesting about the teams that are winning? Things like that with Jamal Murray. I bet in the company you work for or the church that you're the pastor of, or wherever, you have people in your organization that care so damn much. Like, you can tell it with the heat. They care so damn much. This guy wanted to be, Jamal Murray did, wanted to be with the Denver Nuggets so bad, and next thing you know, look at him. Look at where the Denver Nuggets are. It's unbelievable. This is the longest-running, winningest franchise ever, back to the ABA day. They haven't won nothing. And now here they are, one game away from the NBA Finals with people that care so much. A guy like Jokic. Yeah, I know all the white boy stuff that Jokic has to hear from the African-American crowd. Yeah, I know all the white boy stuff that Duncan Robinson, I'm guarantee you hear. These guys can't wait to throw that. But that's just racist garbage. Let's talk about actual basketball. Jamal Murray. And Jokic have been the breakout stars of this postseason, although Jamal Murray didn't need that. Jamal Murray, a couple years ago, made one of the best moves I've ever seen in my life, was dropping like 50 in playoff games. It begs you, it begs you the question, Cali Perry, I love you. You know, I love you. But how the hell do you lose at Kentucky with all these guys? <clears throat> all right, there's some interesting tweets out there. And our crack staff. Got him. Nick and Ryan, everybody got him. Brooke. All right, let's show a little bit, little bit about what my Serbian brother, Nikola Jokic, uh, has done over his last eight games. Look at this man right here. Check this out. Now, I don't know about you, but that is the definition of ball. And I'm going to go to the last first. You ready? 57%, 58%, 67%, 60, 72, 70. Okay, 43% and 47%. Look at what he has done. But Mark Jackson's too stupid because he can't put the white boy on there to put him in his top five players, and Mark Jackson has one job. One freaking job. Know the NBA a little bit. Now, good for Mark Jackson. He's going bending over backwards to talk about how historically great Jokic is, but you got one freaking job. One job. Joey Tribbiani chimes in. Yeah, he does. Joey Tribbiani chimes in with a tweet here from Tom Fornelli. Let's see what Joey Tribbiani has to say. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I don't know why I thought that was Joey Tribbiani, but it was. What are you going to do? Yeah, those are the people. Those are the people. Uh, Yeah. Are who people pretend James Harden and Joel Embiid are. See, hey, James Harden, they're talking about giving him 50 mil. Four-year, $200 i I'm telling you, other than Pat Riley, the level of stupid, and Ron and the Myers guy out at Golden State, the level of stupid of general managers is off the chain. Yo, let's give James Harden $50 million. Uh, A little from George Carl, shall we? Hey, five more wins to go for the Nuggets. But, hey, Lakers, trolls, stay focused because you still have an important job to do in the next few days. That's awesome. Oh, man. Lakers guru is all mad. All the little fellas are mad. Everybody's mad. George Carl showed up and people, well, you know what? They got all mad at George Carl. This is great stuff. And I'll tell you the number one reason it's great stuff is I don't have to hear idiots talk about social justice. I don't have to hear it. Look, I understand we're supposed to listen to people. In the NBA. I understand because you're six foot ten and you can windmill dunk. We're supposed to listen to you. I get it. I do. I get it, but I don't. I ain't listening. I'm watching great hoops. I am watching absolute fantastic basketball played by the best athletes in the world at a time when we have the best basketball players that we have ever had in our game. Period. You can say whatever you'd like. You can criticize the player. You can criticize whatever. You can criticize all the other stuff. But don't criticize the ability of these NBA players because it's the best we have ever seen in our lifetime. The shooting, the athletic ability, the strength, everything about it is the best we've seen. Think about the NBA. It's a lot like golf. People come from everywhere to play. You know, golf, you got guys from everywhere. Basketball, you got guys from everywhere. Football, we only play it here, right? Friend of mine's the all-time leading rusher in England, professional, our football. That and a nickel gets you a nickel. Uh, that's it. So don't at me about it. we got great players doing great things. And we've got great players doing great things currently right now in golf. And you saw it yesterday. You saw it yesterday, whether it was Michael Block. I got to get my microphone back up here. That's the kind of show we run, David Faraday. Things fall down, uh, mics go all over the place. It's kind of your kind of show, I think, boss. Hey, um, thanks for joining. The great David Faraday joins us. You know, there are certain people who have to have names ahead of their name, like Sir Charles Barkley, the great David yeah. Faraday. There it is. <laughs>
1: Oh, you're very kind, and uh, good
0: morning. Hey, good morning to you. A couple stories from the weekend. Michael Block, you ever seen anything like it? That was pretty special to see uh, a club pro, you know,
1: compete at that level. And, uh, yeah, it it was magic. The crowd really got behind him. Yeah. How,
0: like, anybody that doesn't believe in golf gods has to believe in golf (laughs) gods with the hole in one. He flies it straight into the bucket,
1: nearly destroyed the hole. It was uh it was a great moment, you know, and uh, that's one of the special things about the PGA championships. You've got twenty of those guys who do get the chance to play against the best players in the world. Yeah, you know, which makes it a special event.
0: David, you you famously left uh the PGA Tour, went over to the Live Tour. Uh obviously so did Kepka. Does this does this do anything? Does this does this I don't. I don't want to say legitimize the live tour because these guys are all so good. But in the public's mind, does it legitimize the live tour a
1: little bit? Yeah, I, I think it probably does. You know, it, it affirms. Uh, you know what we're we're trying to do. We we were already legitimate. You know, we've got players out there. You know, one of the best fields in the world every week that we play. Um, it's. Uh, but it, it is. It's. I. You can ask my wife. You know, I I don't dance. Um, but I danced yesterday when, uh, when I saw Brooks winning, um, it, it was a pretty special moment for us at live.
0: What, what has been the sense has there been like, you know, you're around it all the time. Uh, the live tour guys, is it like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do our thing. Not worry about, you know, being respected by the tour, but, it, it, or is it hey look, let's go show these guys. What, what's the sentiment there?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, let's go show these guys. Look, we're, we're a different product. Um, you, you've got uh, the NFL, you've got the XFL, you've got the, the hockey playoffs on the minute, the LPGA, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour. We're just a different product. And, uh, you know, we're not competing against anybody else. You know, th- these guys are competing against themselves. Uh, you know, week in, week out, and the golf has been absolutely fantastic. You know, I think it, it stands alone as a as a product. What what what, what makes Kepka Kepka? You know, he's a he's an interesting guy. Um, he uh, he's a tough guy, um, but you can see he gets kind of emotional as well. He's a, he's an interesting uh, specimen. Um, he he uh, came back from that really serious knee injury. Uh, it took him a long time to get healthy. And uh, when he won uh, in uh, in Saudi Arabia, um you could see he got very emotional about it. He wasn't sure whether he was going to be able to get back to the the, the top level in the game. And uh, you know, he won a few weeks ago in Orlando. Um, you know, he felt pretty good about that, but this is this is something special. Uh, you know to be able to hold that wanna maker trophy and and get into contention.
0: David Faraday, nice enough Major to join us the same way we... that he threw with the win. Hey, uh, John Feinstein's a friend of mine. John Feinstein, uh, I was involved yeah. in a book he did when I was when I was at Indiana. Uh, he and I hung out. I tried to you know get him dates. I'll say dates. I, you know when, when I was just out of college and he was hanging with us, it was impossible to do. We drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of pizza. Did you end up punching Feinstein as you were writing the book? Did you feel the need that you had to, you know, give him a shot?
1: (laughs) I I didn't feel like, I felt like punching myself a couple of times. You know, I thought, should I really allow this information to be on, you know, on paper where people can read it? Um, No, it it was a great experience with John. Uh, You know, he's a terrific writer. And, uh, you know, if anyone was going to do that book, uh, it was always going to be
0: him. You are unafraid to talk about your life, the tragic passing of your son. And, and, you know, people look at you and they think, oh, man, he's always happy. He's always energetic. But life does throw you a lot of crap sometimes, and you got to deal with it.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I've dealt with uh – with anxiety and depression, um, and uh, you know so, some tragic things in, in my life, but I've been fortunate, you know, to have been surrounded by by great people, and uh, you know, especially my wife. Uh, it, it's uh, I, I don't know what uh, I would have done without her, and I hope that comes through in in the book. You know, it's been nearly thirty years now, and uh, you, you know, depression is is sadness minus hope. And uh, fortunately, you know, I have uh, always managed to find the hope in uh, any given situation that's been been thrown at me. Uh, that that's those are the most four important letters in in life for me.
0: What what, what made you decide to write a book?
1: Well, it, I, nothing made me decide to, to write the book. It was Feinstein who uh, you know kept uh, at me. I I didn't think uh, it was a great idea. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, I mean, I, there's a lot of things in my life that I'm not particularly proud of. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, in the end, you know, going through my own experiences, you know, the thought that they might help someone else. Um, what was the motivating main motivating factor uh, for me in in getting the book written? Um, I, I have no part of the book. Uh, you know, it, it's it's all a John Um you know, but uh, it it was a cathartic experience for me in, in, in a way.
0: Your first paycheck as a professional golfer was $7.25. Fi- and <laughs> yes, come in, it was. Did you come in last? What, what's that? No, I won.
1: I won. Uh, the ladies <laughs> tankard. The ladies tankard at Dunmurray in, in Belfast. Um, I... Uh, I I grew up, you know, uh, I was 17 years old with a five handicap and uh, I, I turned professional because I, I really I couldn't do anything else. I, I couldn't do that either. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I improved pr- pretty quickly and, uh, you know, I had, I had a decent career. You know, I had, I had my moments here and there um, playing at the highest level, you know, but that th- those first couple of years were, were pretty thin, that's for sure.
0: David, you're a terrific golfer. I mean, you can, I, I appreciate you downplaying, but you won a number of times and then you've built an empire here being a fantastic uh, golf analyst. I want to go back uh, to what we saw at the PGA. You know, in basketball, I coached basketball a long time. Basketball gets contagious, you know, and I love playing golf. I mean, I'm no good. I'm an eight handicap. I'm no good. But if that gets contagious too, like it looked yeah. to me like Kepka could have kept playing another 18 holes and he was going to throw it eight feet to the right of every freaking pin that he had. He, he just looked like he was so locked in yesterday.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is a contagious game and you're, you're giving yourself a hard time too. single, single digits is, is pretty good. You know, most of the people I know couldn't get down to single digits if they cut off a finger, you know, it, it's a, it's a hard game. And, uh, but you're right. And, and, you know Memorial Weekend. You know it sort of signifies the beginning of summer. It's you know when the kids are looking forward to getting off school. It, it's it's golf time, and uh, you know we're we're excited at Live. You know, and I'm excited to watch the PGA Tour as well. Um, it's a game that gets under your skin and it lasts a lifetime.
0: Is there from the? You know, I understand Rory's. You know, the kind of the face of criticizing the Live Tour and is, is the, does the live tour worry about the PGA tour? Like it seems like the PGA tour worries about the live tour.
1: Yeah, I think it's the other way around. You're right. And if you look at the PGA tour, you know, those players have got us to thank for a lot of, uh, you know, changes that have been made. And uh, yeah, there used to be 70 guys that went home with a hole in their pocket uh, every week. You know, the guys that missed the cut didn't get anything. Now, if you're, You know, if you qualify to play on the PGA Tour, you're guaranteed a half a million dollars, you know, which will cover your expenses and, you know, maybe make you some profit. Um, You know, and uh, these guys are paid at a commensurate level, you know, to other sports now. And I I think we've had a great deal to do with that at Live.
0: There's no question. I mean, these guys ought to be kissing your ass, if you want to be honest (laughs) to God. I mean, hey, How difficult or easy, or what's going to transpire here, Zach Johnson, uh, the captain of the Ryder Cup team, you know, Kepka, an obvious choice. What do you see happening here?
1: Well, I know, you know, having played Ryder Cup myself, you know, you you want the best team. Um, It's the the most exciting event in golf, Um, and, and both sides want to have the best players on it. Um, I mean, it's and the thing about the Ryder Cup is it's run by the PGA of America. It's not run by the PGA Tour. So with with, uh, Brooks having won, you know, the PGA of America's major championship, I I think it would be shocking uh, to to see him left out. What's the
0: strangest thing you've ever seen anybody do with a trophy? You know, dudes do crazy things with trophies. What's the weirdest thing you've seen anyone do with a trophy after they've won some? You know, the greatest trophy in sport for me
1: is the Stanley Cup and um you know the the stars my Dallas stars are playing for it at the minute not not going so well against you know the hockey in the desert which seems weird uh but uh yeah. you know that that wannamaker trophy um I did uh 19 PGA championships with uh with CBS. And uh, I have several photographs of me sitting on that trophy with my pants around my ankles, reading the, either it might have been the Atlanta paper or the, uh, or the New York Times or, you know, wherever that it was being held. It was kind of a tradition, you know, um, that was kept undercover, you know, at CBS, just one of those sort of practical joke things we would give to the winner afterwards with me sitting on the trophy.
0: Yeah. I couldn't wait to drink out of that bad boy after your ass has been covering the rim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, you famously lost the Scottish open trophy.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I won it, uh, in 1986 and, uh, it, it was, uh, th- there was a rock concert that night in Glasgow. Led Zeppelin had got together and, uh, I decided it was a good idea to take the Scottish Open trophy to a Led Zeppelin concert. And there was uh, there was two days of my life went missing. We had backstage passes. And uh, I, I'm serious when I say there are 48 hours of my life where I, I just, uh, you know, I woke up uh, in the ferns to, to the left of the 16th tee at Glen Eagles with the Led Zeppelin's manager, Peter Grant, poking at me with his walking stick and uh, n- no sign of the Scottish Open Trophy, uh, and you know, and it's still lost. There's there's no romantic ending to that that story. It, it's it's still lost.
0: I'm did, not proud of it. Did did <laughs> it's good, did Led Zeppelin wake <laughs> up in a worse spot for hanging with David Faraday than David Faraday woke up wait, hanging out with Led Zeppelin?
1: That's a, that's a good question. You know, I mean, Jimmy Plant and Robert Page. The band didn't last after that. You know, they split up. Uh, so uh, right. that may have been something to do with it.
0: <laughs> right, right. Hey, when a um, couple other things, if you don't mind, um, I'm going to go back to Michael Block. You know, when 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 these pros get in there, either here or you know, older guys go play at Augusta. Is there I don't know. Is, is there like a, a rift between the two? Like you're taking a current, current tour member spot. Is there any of that going on?
1: No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, th- it's the one tournament of the year, you know, where, where these guys get a chance to play, you know, and th- there's still 140 or 124 spots there, uh, you know, at the PGA championship, you know, for the, for the tour players, um, you know, so it's, uh, I mean, it's still a wonderful field, even with those guys. And and every now and then you'll get one, you know, that, that pops out and, uh, you know, is good enough to, uh, you know, to, I'd be surprised if Michael doesn't get a couple of invites, uh, you know, to other events. I, I would hope that he would, you know, uh, uh, having given his performance this last week.
0: Yeah, I just saw he got invited this week. Um, he got invited what to the Colonial? What, whatever what one's going on oh, this he did. week? Good. Uh, Good. Yeah, yeah, he was he he was on there. You know uh, what what is the biggest difference? You know, everybody's got a guy at the club that they say is going to play on the tour, or when he gets fifty, he's going to play yeah. on the Champions Tour. And I think it's the I think it's the hardest sport in the world to make. But guys can yeah. really play. A lot of guys. So, what's the biggest difference between a tour pro and Michael Block or a guy that's a really good club pro?
1: Yeah, th- there's a huge difference um, in the club pros and the and the tour players. And you're right, it is so hard uh, to get on the PGA Tour or or the Live Tour or any professional tour now these days. There's so many great players around. You know, great great players aren't afraid to miss. And, uh, you know, if you can make, you know, if you give yourself a six-footer, say, as an example, if you can uh, make uh, the fact that you can miss it or make it, if you can make both of those possibilities equally acceptable, well, then you create an environment uh, in which you can play. You know, you can go ahead and make the stroke, you know, without wanting the putter back or without wanting the ball back. Um, there's uh, the it's, it's controlling panic, <laughs> in its purest form, I I think, um, you know, professional golf, uh, you know, it's such a difficult game and so much can go wrong so quickly. Yeah. You have to have that attitude where you're not afraid, you know, to miss and uh, that creates the right environment, you know, for you to play in.
0: Hey, David, how much, How much, you know, I I like to bet. I'll bet anything on a golf course as long as, you know, the strokes are even. Because I don't, you know, at my age, I'm 60. I don't get to compete in anything else, right? I mean, what am I going to do? You know, compete at who can watch TV more, drink more beers? I don't know. But how much betting goes on between players during an actual round of a tournament? Or is there none? Um,
1: there's none, uh, when, you know, in the tournament, you know, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, you know, you'll get some money games, not, but it's not like it used to be, you know, where Lanny Watkins, uh, you know, or or Ben Crenshaw, you know, or, or some of the guys, you know, that like to play money games, Ray Floyd, uh, played some, you know, very big money games, uh, Lee Trevino, uh, also, uh, you know, that kind of part of it is gone. You know, I think, Largely because, you know, they're playing for so much money now. They don't need to do that. There was a need back in the in the 70s and 80s, you know, where they weren't, you know, really playing for a great deal of money, you know, to, to make some money on the side. You know, so, uh, you know, some of the older pros were, were happy to take on a pigeon every now and then. How much money are we talking? Oh, uh, tens of thousands of dollars at times. Um, you know, with with Lee and with Ray, um, and and you would get uh, keen amateurs. You know that would back a, a a professional. You know against you know somebody else. You know out there as well. You know there there were wealthy backers that uh, sponsored these little uh, money matches as well.
0: People love the act. Ag- What's the most you ever won on a golf course, non non event? You know, in a money game. Oh, in a money
1: game, you yeah, know, probably. Uh, I don't know, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars, something like that. You know, the automatic two-don presses and things like that.
0: I thought you were going to say ten to twenty thousand.
1: No, no, no. I, I, I couldn't have afforded that.
0: <laughs> what veto say? Like pressure is betting hundred bucks and having no money in your pocket. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, that's right. And he'd beat you with a Dr. Pepper bottle. <laughs> How-
1: Who's your all-time greatest golfer? Lee Trevino was was my hero really? growing up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, well, you know, it, the the all-time greatest golfer. Um, you know, from a, an objective standpoint, you know, Tiger Woods. If you ask Jack Nicklaus, who's the greatest player who ever lived, he'll tell you that you know no one has ever played golf like Tiger Woods. But Jack Nicklaus is the greatest champion. Um, I, I think they're two different things. You know, I mean, Tiger Woods is the best player that ever lived. Jack Nicklaus is the greatest champion.
0: And Lee Trevino was your all-time favorite. Why?
1: Well, you know, he he hit the ball left to right. You know, he had the gift of the gab, you know, and, and he was just so happy on the golf course that, uh, you know, he was who I aspired to be. Yeah. When I was a little boy, you know, playing with my dad, you know, I, I would pretend to be Lee Trevino and, um, uh, you know, he was actually my first guest on, on the talk show that I had on the golf channel. It was really important to me, uh, to get Lee because he doesn't really do interviews. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was my hero and, uh, still is to, to a certain extent, you know, I mean, he, uh, he really, uh, is a, is is the embodiment of the American dream, came from absolutely nothing, dirt floor. And, uh, you know, didn't know who his dad was. He, you know, he was a Marine um, and, uh, you know, just an amazing person to be around. When you shake hands with Lee Trevino, you know you're in the presence of greatness. And uh, there there are very few people, um, you know, there's a handful of people that I've been with where I've
0: had that feeling. You know, uh you mowed Lee Trevino's lawn, did you not? Or you mowed your lawn with Lee on your show? No, he
1: mowed. He mowed my lawn. Yeah. Okay Yeah. I had I had a Mexican mowing my lawn in Dallas. You know, there's a lot of that around, but uh not not many of them have won so m- many major championships. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You know, it's funny because, you know, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and when we went and played, it cost a buck at the public course. And we would sign in. I would always sign in as Ben Crenshaw. I thought Ben Crenshaw, like, had a hot girlfriend or a hot wife. So I would sign. My yeah. buddy had a bad elbow, so he signed in as Calvin Pete because Calvin had that elbow. My right. buddy of mine had yeah. his bad. So it's funny. Even great players sign in as somebody else.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's and one of, the, one of the things, you know, that can really help your game is role playing. You know, I mean, I, I used to try to walk like like by stairs, you know, and hold myself, you know, the same way that he did. He was like a big cat on the golf course. You know, he had that sort of feline grace, um, you know. So, you know, pretending to be somebody else, you know, quite often isn't such a bad thing.
0: Oh, hey, last thing before I before I let you go. Wh- when did you first pick up golf? When did you know this is something that I love? This isn't a like. This isn't a fad. This isn't a game. This is something that I absolutely love.
1: Yeah. And I was in uh, a geography class uh, in high school. I was uh, in, uh, I guess, what we call 11th grade here. And they opened the windows. It was a spring morning in Northern Ireland. And I, I just I smelt the they were mowing the, the grass outside on the, uh, on the playing fields. and uh, I, I, I smelled that new cut grass and you know, the sun was shining for the first time in weeks, it seemed. and and all I wanted to do was was get out on the golf course. So I got up from that geography class and I, I left school. Um, I didn't graduate that uh, uh, high school. I, I turned pro. And uh, against uh, the wishes of uh, much of my family and to much ridicule, um, but uh, it was it was the greatest thing I ever did. Um, you know, smelling that new cut gas on that on that morning.
0: So, so let, let me paint up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So you're in class as an eleventh yeah. grader. So you got another year. Yeah. This isn't like you know you can slide yeah. by for a couple weeks and get, and you just get up and say screw it I'm going to be a golf professional in the middle of class
1: that's that's exactly what I did they were teaching us about the average rainfall in western samoa and uh, I remember thinking to myself <laughs> well this is going to be useful you know if I want to be a western samoan weather forecaster um <laughs> yes. you know and the, the whole the whole high school experience seemed pointless to me you know I was I was a classic attention deficit child I, I I couldn't learn the same way that others could but you know I, I, when I went to school they called it stupid so uh, you know I, I figured if I'm if I'm going to be labeled as stupid I'll do something really stupid and 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 be a golf pro
0: so I'm sorry to keep you so long but you leave there no. I, I, and then you go I assume you go to the course and you were obviously very good at at the time so what's the process no. to all of a sudden Turn in pro what 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 do we do well we
1: lie about our handicap for a start you know i i had a five handicap at the time you know i, I said that i was a scratch player and uh, i got an assistant pros job um you know where basically you're just minding the shop um you know and inhaling solvents in the back uh, stuff like that you know putting grips on and doing the old bindings around the you know the the around the, the necks of, of the old wooden clubs. Uh, you know, generally being the pro shop kid, and uh, you know you have time to play, time to practice, that kind of thing, and that's that's how I started.
0: When did you become a a professional that played week after week? What age were you?
1: Um, I would have been nineteen. Um, you know, I, I won the Irish championship. I think I was a uh, PGA championship. I think I was 20. Um, you know, I, I, actually won that a couple of times. Um, and I got on the, uh, on the PGA tour in 1978, uh, you know, and I would have been, yeah, I would have been 19, uh, 20, uh, at the time.
0: And that was that was just better than listening to the rain in Western Somalia. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes,
1: it was. It was, yeah.
0: <laughs> David, I can't thank you enough, man. I, I, the book's got to be a great success. Feinstein and you together is just awesome. It's, it's automatic. I, I can't wait to read it, and I thank you for a few minutes today. It's a great day for Live Toward. Great day. Thank you. Uh, that's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, that David Faraday is uh, one of a kind, man. Absolutely fantastic. And look, he went to live, and live is lives great. I mean, you say whatever you want, but, you know, uh, you know people get so mad. I'm going to come back with it. People get so mad at the money. Where did the money come from? You know, I was on the University of Arkansas campus, and they have this big memorial. And you know where the money came from that memorial? Saudi Arabia. It says right there. It says right there. Money from somebody, 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 Saudi Arabia. Money from Oman. We got so much money, but we choose to get mad at the live tour. Now, explain that to me. All this money going to all these universities, all these money going to governments, and we're like, yeah, well, we're mad at the live tour. I'd be mad at the live tour, I suppose. But I sat there with my wife, and we went to this big, freaking, uh, what do they call it? A fountain. Beautiful in the middle of the University of freaking Arkansas this weekend. And who donated the money for it? Like the Shah of Saudi Arabia. There, it says right there, next time if you're, I don't know why, I mean, I'm never going back to Arkansas, but I was there, and everybody mad at the to tour. Okay, all right, a little selective, a little selective pissed off, no? no, nah, it's ridiculous. All right, I got some headlines when we come back. Can't thank David Faraday enough for coming on and spending a few minutes. One of a kind, the best kind, as they say. Feinstein, a great writer. Anything John writes, I read, so I can't wait uh, to read David's book with, or John's book with David, or however uh, you want to say it. Tragedy, not tragedy, but Jim Brown passed away. I want to get in uh, to that. Hey, A.J. Brown almost, whoa, almost lost his career over something silly. All right, we'll be right back. Stay here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Fame. That's right. Instant fame. Michael Block. Good for Michael Block. Michael Block is awesome. I gotta tell you something else and don't at me about this, but Elizabeth Hurley, other than my wife, continues to be my dream girl at 57. I mean, uh, Outkick is doing a thing. on uh, Jim Brown passed away. Now, here's the deal with Jim Brown. Jim Brown, I'm not going to get into all the stupid stuff, apparently, that he did with women. And, of course, he got a pass on all of it. But I will say this about Jim Brown, the football player. My all-time greatest football player is Walter Payton. I grew up in Chicago. Walter Payton threw it, caught it, ran it, never went out of bounds, did everything he could to help his team win. The best football player I've ever seen. It's debated. Some people like Barry Sanders, whatever. But I will tell you this. In Jim Brown's era, There is not a single person that I have ever talked to that was in the NFL, around the NFL, that saw Jim Brown play that didn't say he was the greatest football player they ever saw. I don't care if it was Bob Skronsky, the father of Pete (coughs) excuse me, who, uh, who the Titans just drafted first, who played with the Packers. I don't care who it was. And I want you to think about this. In what other sport does every single person, every player, that played against the guy, say he is the all-time best. Michael Jordan's the closest I've seen. See, I don't understand, based on numbers and dominance, how Wilt Chamberlain isn't that. I did not see Wilt. I've said it all the time. I did not see Jim Brown. So I have no idea if Jim Brown is the greatest of all time, would have been better than Walter Payton. I have no idea. But I know this. Every single person in the NFL during Jim Brown's time, says that Jim Brown is the greatest football player of his era and the greatest they ever saw. Everyone, you cannot find anyone, anywhere, anytime that would argue that. You can't. You can't find a soul that says, no, this guy was better. You can't now obviously you could have been more dominant I suppose back in that area I, I suppose I suppose now you know it's gotten bigger more guys are playing it's it's more spread out there's better athletes you can say all the stuff you want to say I, and that's fine but I got to tell you um, to me when everybody everybody says the same thing he's the best ever I never saw better Wow. Never saw Never saw better. I've never seen it. I, I don't know what to tell you. You can think this guy's better. He's not. Blah, 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 blah. Every single guy. Jim Irsay put out his top ten, and this was a slap. You can argue it all you want, but it's an absolute slap at, at, uh, at Peyton Manning. 100%. Top five all-time. Jim Brown, Tom Brady, John Elway, Deacon Jones, Reggie White. Yeah, I'm just telling you. Uh, uh, No doubt, you know what, Peyton, Barry Sanders, Jerry Rice, top ten. It's just that Elway didn't have great offensive players till the end when he won two in a row. His feet were remarkable from baseball talent. And I put this out on Twitter that it was absolutely a slap at Peyton Manning, and it is. You can say it's not, but it is. So rest in peace, Jim Brown. Uh, I don't know where you're going. You know, I believe in heaven and hell. I don't know. A lot of crap with Jim Brown with women, a lot of ridiculous stuff, a lot of abuse, beatings, at least allegedly. But hey, uh, you know, boy, you're gonna, you know I, I don't know enough about that either. I, I just basically didn't follow Jim Brown. He was not of my era. He was an older guy that kept getting in trouble to me with women, and everybody let him off the hook. Uh, A.J. Brown narrowly missed serious injury. We got some video here. Let's see a little video of the former, I'm going to keep him with the Titans because Jonathan Hutton's coming on, of the former Titan, A.J. Brown. What's going on here? Turn the camera around. Bro ain't even pedaling, bro. Oh, no. hey. Hey. God damn, Pat attention, man. I got hit by a car. Hey, I'm really finna call me. Uber, man, y'all saw that? I mean, for some reason, hey, hey, this shit right here, crazy, bro. I don't think I should do this shit. I ain't doing this shit no more. Hey, I love. Hey, for some reason, now look. In my world, when you are on a streaming show and it's on YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else, you got to be on like TikTok. You got to do these things. But if I had hundreds of millions and I'm riding a bike and my body is what makes me those millions, I'm not TikTok and live streaming, Instagram and nothing when I'm on a bike in city streets. That's just stupid. That is just flat out stupid. And you can say to say, pay attention or whatever you want, but that's just flat dumb. Seriously. I mean, look, you got more. Look, for me, hey, look, we're out every day. Hey, you got a Instagram. You got a whatever. You got to do whatever. We need followers, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand. I do. I get it. But let's be honest. You're worth that kind of money. You don't need to be Instagramming. If you need a date, buy one. If you need to be on TV, call the station. Say, hey, look, I want to be on TV. They'll put you on the Sunday night show. Uh, guys are stupid. Uh, speaking of stupid, I'll give you a stupid. See, you got to understand the NAACP, the ACLU, the Democratic Party, liberals. If you don't divide us, they got no platform. That's a, that, that's a fact, Jack. If you don't divide us, they have zero platform. There's nothing they can stand on. Not a thing. So, the NAACP has issued a travel advisory to Florida warning African Americans and P that it's dangerous. Okay, NAACP, sure it is. Let's see it
1: advisory for Florida and it's urging the black community to avoid visiting or moving to the Sunshine State. According to the statement, the advisory comes in direct response to Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's quote, aggressive attempts to erase black history. And it calls Florida openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and the LGBTQ individuals. CNN has reached out to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for comment, but did not receive...
0: Well, if the NAACP, liberals, and of course, of course, Democrats can't divide us, uh, they have no platform. They 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 have no platform. I mean, you know what? They have none. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, it, you know, they they have nothing to stand on, absolutely nothing. And I'll stand by that. I mean, I'll stand by that, and I'll take all the criticism. I will take all the criticism for saying that. If they can't divide us, they got no platform. Because the real world isn't divided. I go to Kroger right here. I live in a multicultural area. Man, everybody, hey, hold the door, blah, 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 blah. But, man, you got to have the NAACP. You got to have the ACLU. Indiana progressives. (laughs) Progressive my ass. Ain't nothing progressive about them. If they can't divide us, they got nothing. So here's another example. Uh, San Diego State, no findings against the punter god, Matt Araza. Look, I've lost interest in this story. And the only reason I bring this up is because this guy got screwed. Okay, he put himself in a stupid position. I mean, look, we're all 350 million people in the United States, and we're all supposed to think the same, do the same, and judge each other because everybody's supposed to be perfect. What he did was stupid. It's a tragic story all the way around. But to get that guy out of the NFL is idiotic. I hope somebody signs him. If I was an owner and I needed a punter, I'd sign him tomorrow. And I would listen to all the crap and say, kiss my ass. Here are the facts. It's time people start standing up and say, kiss my ass. Here are the facts. We're going to get into that uh, racist posse, Ben Crump coming up here in a little bit in stock up and stock down. Thank God there is. Thank God there, there is now community notes that fact check everybody, not just racist race baiters like Ben Crump, but everybody. Fact check me. Hell, I'm an ish guy. I'll come close. Uh, this this lady is funny. Like, it's amazing that anybody showed up to watch BG play Brittany Griner. I mean, look, she's playing. She's a criminal. She's somebody that broke laws. Everybody here in the African-American community is defending the hell out of here. Everybody in the white community is afraid to say what's real. She lived in Russia for a long time and was stupid and arrogant enough to vape. She stayed in jail way too long because we have an incompetent president and a president that is unafraid. But anybody going to the game, uh, they should be happy anybody showed up to a game. This is a woman that did no, knew nothing. She didn't put her little Baylor education to a test until she went over to uh, Russia and got put in the clink for nine months. Then she realized, well, wait a second, I live in a pretty good country. You think? You think? So now her idiot coach is mad they only had 10,000. 10,000 people in L.A. deciding to go to a women's basketball game to see these folks is a miracle. But that's not enough for the coach because BG was playing. My ass. Who's, let's hear. I mean, it was, it was great, but, like, honestly, come on, L.A. Like, we didn't sell the arena for BG. Like, I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great. It was loud. No, but, not right. Um, how was how it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? How um. How is it not a sellout? You got you to, hey, can we put our, uh, how is it not a sellout? We got a woman that hates the United States and had to learn a tough lesson. And what are we all supposed to do? Put our lives on hold because BG is playing? What are you guys, insane? What are you guys, nuts? For BG, right? No, not right. I love when people say right. That's like they want you to affirm. You're lucky you got 10 people there. Look, I'm one of the people, I support women's sports like nothing else. But I gotta tell you, you're lucky you got 10 folks there. 10,000? That lady, whoever she is, should be celebrating that you got 10,000. I mean, what are you, insane? You think people actually wanna watch that crap? I mean, come on, let's be honest. One thing that the transgender bad athletes as men are doing is really crushing the credibility of women's sports. And I don't like it. But come on. I mean, a woman that disrespected, I mean, she's using her, you know, Baylor education here. You know, we're all supposed to dig deep for Brittany Griner. Okay. Yeah. ain't that not that the sign of some kind of hate isn't that like a hate thing, at least in Wrigley Field? Just stop it. Trevor Bauer continues to stink. Trevor Bauer who got screwed by Major League Baseball. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, well, let's just see the video on Trevor Bauer. So, this is 今日も第 That's in the minor leagues in Japan. He's trying to resurrect his career, and he's not doing a very good job. Mental is to the physical as four is to one, and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this is the state of Indiana, and this is the state of basketball. This is in the state of Indiana, and this is the state of basketball, youth basketball in our country. Our parents are idiots. I blame me. I blame my generation. We've raised a group now that are in their mid-twenties, and we call them Buddy, Hi Pal, You're my guy, Golly gee. no. And now those kids are growing up to be parents, and they're complete idiots. This was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a place I know very well at the Space Center. I don't know if it's called the Space Center anymore, I don't care. But this is what happens now in youth basketball, an AAU tournament, let's watch. So his dad is an idiot, he's going to yell at the ref, and next thing you know he's throwing hands and the ref puts him on a tackle. Kids are laughing because kids are dumbasses and don't know any better. Everybody gets the phone out, good for at least some people. Look at these idiots, look at that idiot there, hey let me be on TV. And I don't blame him actually, I don't blame him, because look, parents are just fools. I mean, they are just fools. And I don't blame that referee. I mean, look, referees are out there. They're lazy as hell now. They're getting paid. Half of them don't come across half court. And that's the way the world works. But let's be honest, a dad doing that, what is that dad should be arrested immediately. He will be because, well, uh, he should be. He should be thrown in jail, bail posted high, because this idiot shouldn't be out in society. I'm guessing he will be because, well, you know. <laughs> you know the deal. Come on. Let me just look at the video. Show the video again and see if you can tell me why this dad will be arrested. See if he should be. 100% should be. Thousand percent should never be allowed in a youth basketball game. His picture should be on a screen every place he goes. It should be on right next to the check-in stand, along with Reggie Rose, uh, Jay, jail- or uh, what's his face, is Derek's brother who brandished a gun in an AAU tournament. Like this isn't new stuff. We all think that this era uh, is worse than the previous. No. I had to stop a game because some idiot, fat-ass Wisconsin cheese-eating clown was harassing my wife. Thank God. I had an idiot throw a clipboard at our bench, and then our, our dads, who are huge, stood up and you'd have thought this guy was crying. It was some little Ben Davis, Indiana, wannabe coach. But honest to God, get this parent arrested, put him in jail, get him out of games, don't let him go, and I, I'll be happy. Yeah, you're costing my kid a scholarship. That's right, Marby Dog. You're costing my kid a scholarship. (laughs) That's what the dad was mad about. What a complete idiot. I mean, what an idiot. I haven't been able to, uh, I don't know why. uh, uh, what the name is of the dad, but I'm dying to find out. All right, Jonathan Hutton joins us when we come back. We got a lot to get to here. The passing of Jim Brown. How about this guy, Ty Johnson, says that they told him, hey, look, Jets, go get surgery, and oh, by the way, we're going to cut you the next day. I got a lot of NFL stuff to get. Oh, by the way, Colts fans, uh, Reggie Wayne is going to coach more this year. Get out of here. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me Across the Outkick Network. All right, Jennifer, here you go. Jonathan Hutton joins us, hopefully by video. I don't know. Oh, there he is. Women are swooning good all morning, over the Dan. place.
2: Good morning, Dan Dyer. How are you? I'm great, uh, man. How
0: are you, my friend? Wonderful. Good to see hey, you. Hey, uh, good to see you. I said this earlier about Jim Brown. Like, you can debate Barry Sanders, Walter Payton. In my world, and when we grew up, Walter Payton was the be- is the best football player I ever saw. I never saw Jim Brown. I'm not going to lie. I didn't. Uh, Everybody to a man from Jim Brown's era says Jim Brown's the best football player they ever saw. Every single one, Jonathan, every one.
2: Every single one. Eddie George, uh, any of the the former running backs that are either in the Pro Football Hall of Fame or have led the NFL in rushing or have been the, the bell cow of their team, and quite frankly, many of the players across the league, if they're not pointing to Jim Brown, I don't know who they're pointing to as the GOAT, because he is revered as the greatest football player, top to bottom, in NFL history. And when you compare his numbers and the fact he left the game at 30, he, when, he left the, when he left the sport, he was the leading rusher in NFL history. He had 120-plus touchdowns. He started every single game. Missed a game throughout his career, 118 games throughout his career. The longevity and in the era that he played in, Dan, uh, he's the type of player that could have played in the 1920s and he could play today. Tom Brady could play in the 20s, but they're not going to throw the football the same way. We would not remember him the same way. Jim Brown would play today and he would be remembered in the exact same way. That's how dominant he was. And just pure athlete, athletic athleticism, uh, lacrosse, basketball, and in football. I mean, he was dominant.
0: You know, I, I I wear this out a lot, but my wife was at Syracuse. And so when we started dating and I'd go to Syracuse, I, I was always fascinated. I got to know Floyd Little, <clears throat> excuse me, just a, just a little bit. And I remember asking him and other guys, all right, Jim Brown, and the reverence for that man, not only as you said, not only in football, actually... You know you know how people like to do this. They say there is no doubt about it. He's the greatest lacrosse player in the history of lacrosse. Yeah. Uh Like, and, and I believe it because everybody says the same thing.
2: It's like Jim Thorpe, right? I mean, he, he's, when you talk yes. about the pure across-the-board athleticism, that's what comes to mind. And, again, in an era where it was about the running game and in an era where it was brutal, uh, the rules are set up for the offense – in today's NFL, in today's league, that was not the case then. And, you know, he walked away from the sport at an age where we, we consider even now the, the downside of a, of a running back's career especially. He could have kept going. And when you think about what he meant to the, the Browns organization and, and the fact, Dan, of, of just what he symbolized for everyone that was coming into the league, uh, so, it, he was here, by the way, whenever the Browns were on the clock for the NFL draft in 2019 here in Nashville. And being backstage for that and, and seeing that firsthand, about how all the – even the rookies coming into the league were in awe of him walking by. So, I mean, yeah, may you rest in peace because he's a he's a legend when it comes to the sport.
0: This has been a very underreported thing, but I'm wondering if it's at some point going to blow up Jonathan, the AD, Mike Bond, at uh, USC has resigned. Now, look, in the world of ADs, you don't go from Cincinnati to USC and only stay a few years. You stay for until they drag you out of there. There's a little bit of conflicting reports. Some are saying health, which is always a go-to. Some are saying there's investigations, internal workplace stuff. What do you think?
2: The way it came down on Friday in a news dump tells me there's more to it than just health, Right. Uh, the, the timing yeah. of when this was announced tells me that there's something that's about to pop with that. So, yeah, you don't leave USC, especially on the cusp of going to the Big Ten, especially on the cusp of getting the $100 million per year or somewhere close to that based on reports. I know they're still negotiating the TV contracts for the conference. Uh, they're in a great spot. They've got a great head coach in Lincoln Riley. Uh, they, they just signed Bronny James. I mean, from an athletic department standpoint, that's not something you just step away from. There's more to this story. And you would know better than I, behind the scenes, the timing on a Friday, right as people are leaving work, you're going into a weekend, the news dump timing tells me that there's a bigger story that someone's going to unravel.
0: I, I just think all of that. I, I, you know, health is the easiest thing to go to because yeah. nobody wants to question that, right? I mean, right. but these jobs, like, I remember I remember talking uh, to the athletic director at Indiana uh, a while back. And I go, hey, is Indiana athletic director job a good job? You know, at the time, I think there was maybe 12 teams in there. He goes, well, there's only 12 of them. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? There's only well, one
2: USC athletic director job. I mean, forgive me for for thinking this way, though. But if it's a health related thing, he or someone close to him would have at least, if not leaked the information, would have at least nudged a reporter and just said, "Hey, uh, it's nothing nefarious. He's got some stuff going on. Just give it some time, and it'll, it, the university or he will announce something." Right? And again, it, it just yes, it, it, there's something there that just doesn't seem right given the circumstances of the where the Trojans are from their athletic department, and the fact that it came down on a Friday afternoon.
0: I agree. I I, I agree. Uh, we here in Indianapolis, you know what we do? We talk. We talk, we Same. talk, Same here in Nashville. That's, that's all we do with the Colts. <laughs> I, you know, it, Ballard talks. The Colts. So Isaiah McKenzie is the perfect guy to come over from Buffalo to Indianapolis because his dumbass who had 40 catches for 400 yards blamed the snow <laughs> for a 27 to 10 loss to the Bengals. He blamed the snow. We would have killed him if it weren't for the snow. Oh by the way, in Buffalo, come on, Come on, Jonathan! Come on, Isaiah! What are we doing?
2: Hey, man, uh, the, the snow. If if Isaiah McKenzie's having issues, I looked at the quarterback and the way their passing offense is built. They need to focus more on the run game than what they did. If you're if you have a running back slash wide receiver like Isaiah McKenzie, who's struggling in the in the cold weather, that that can't be the, the, the issue. Is he the replacement for Naheem Hines? Like in, in the passing game, I'm saying out of the in the short passing game, is that what they're using him for?
0: Well. Maybe, but they don't have – and I'm being – they have two wide receivers. Yeah. Pittman, who's you know, a good second, and Pierce. And that's it. Ashton Doolin is gone, and he wasn't – so he's – he's yeah, I suppose. But, you know, uh, Hines wasn't – Hines was last year's guy that we talked about. Like Reich and Ballard said, if you have a fantasy team, take Naheem Hines. They didn't mm-hmm. give him the ball, and they traded him. So, yeah, I assume I, – I I, 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 I'm jaded. I think jaded. Isaiah
2: McKenzie is a product of Josh Allen, personally, in like I, I, the offense. I, I don't view him like I viewed – Hines at times, though, Dan, a gadget guy, I know running back and, and wide receiver, different positions here, but he was an extension of their passing game in Indy just as yes. well as their run game. And I think that's what they view McKenzie as. And I, I don't think McKenzie's up to that level on a more consistent basis – Personally, because again, I think he's a product of what Josh Allen was doing.
0: I, you know, 40 catches, 400 yards, yay, Rod, go fight, win. You got your ass beat, just shut up. It's never, if it's a yeah. it, look, if you're if you're setting your team up, I've said this about the current Colts regime. Bill Polian and Grigson, uh, whether you like them or not, they set up the team to be indoors with speed. All right, now we're set up slow in India, and it's stupid. If you're in Buffalo, don't you set it up? so that you can play in November and December in bad weather?
2: Yes. Yeah, you have to now. Um, and look, they're, they're about to build this new stadium, so we'll see what they end up doing. But, I mean, the, the weather is supposed to help the home team there. And I think it was almost a detriment when Cincinnati went in there this past offseason, or this past postseason, excuse me. And that's why they went to the offseason the way they did, uh, not living up to expectations. Super Bowl favorite into a playoff and out against the Bengals. The Bengals were better suited for it. They could run the football, even if they weren't running it consistently well throughout the season, Dan, they were doing it enough to stay balanced and the bills can't stay balanced long enough to where if you get them in third and long, you're able to pin your ears back and get after them. And uh, let's also just also point out that Von Miller got hurt and he was supposed to be the missing piece on the edge for them too. So that also played a factor, but They've got work to do, and it starts with their run game. They've got to commit more to it. Uh, I I think a lot about Minnesota. Minnesota was pass-heavy last year, and I think that bit them in the postseason. They want to be more 65% pass. I think they were more like 70% pass. They want to reduce it just a little bit, get back to the run game more than what they've done, at least in one year with O'Connell. In Buffalo, they've got to run it a lot better, especially in December and January. Let your home stadium, because they're going to win a ton of games, let your home stadium play to your advantage. And they didn't do that.
0: No, they didn't. Hey, I, I got to ask you a side note, because I saw he's putting out TikToks now. What is the expectation for Deshaun Watson? Like, when do they go Dude, back up?
2: We know Whenever we're listing the AFC quarterbacks, Chad and I have talked about this on Hot Mic. We don't, me- we don't mention Deshaun Watson enough. And it's almost like no. we-, we have been, uh, you know, uh, it- it's almost been a-, a series of the NFL not talking about Deshaun Watson to where we don't mention him as the top quarterbacks. But whenever he was out prior to the 2020 season, tw- 2019 when he got the big contract extension and then he held out in January of 2020 before all of the, the sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations which he eventually settled, Dan, he was a top-four quarterback in the league. I mean, I I realize it was a four-win football team, but he was really, really good, and he got pissed off whenever they traded DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. We're not mentioning him enough. It's just pure talent that he should be living up to. Uh, Even when we mention the top players in the NFL, it's Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, and, oh, Joe Burrow's about to be above Lamar Jackson. No, no, no. The the guaranteed money, the $230 million guaranteed contract went to Deshaun Watson. And it's not like he's given a free pass. He's just being buried underneath the radar by the league's PR. I I do feel that they're trying to push that under the radar a bit based on the sentiment that's out there about him. And regardless of what he's done off the field, the contract itself is something the NFL owners don't want to talk about either. Um, so I, I think it's almost we've been conditioned to not mention him. I'm glad you bring him up because that's a huge storyline that is going to come out of nowhere if he plays well. And if he sucks, he'll be bashed again, and everyone will throw a parade because the, the Browns sucked even though they actually went all in on a QB and, and gave up three first-round picks and more to Houston to do so. But it's time for Watson to live up to expectations, and he's got plenty of talent around him. That can't be the excuse. They, they've done a really nice job of adding pieces despite the perception that they didn't have a bunch of salary cap space.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. In fact, uh, I don't know where I saw it this morning, but he put out a TikTok, and I'm like, oh yeah, Deshaun Watson's back in the league. You're right. You just, you know, and I I would bet what you said is true. I would bet it's an overt, not a covert, but an overt. uh, We don't want him to be the face of the league and we hate his contract because now everybody's going to, you know, going to have to pay it. And nobody wants to keep paying these guys this kind of money, I would no, assume. No.
2: And, you know, Burrow and Herbert are next up. Burrow is apparently going to do a, a team-friendly deal. He's still going to be the highest-paid player on an annual average salary. But the the cap number is supposed to be reduced in order to help Cincinnati because their wealthy owner isn't as wealthy as the top percentage of, of NFL owners. Uh, I mean, they don't even have an indoor practice facility in Cincinnati. So – Uh, Burrow's going to be the next guy, but I I, I do find it interesting that that no one mentions Watson in the category. He's mentioned, but he's like seventh or eighth down the list on AFC quarterbacks. And whenever he last played a full season, he was really good. And now he's got more talent around him in Cleveland, believe it or not, than what he had in Houston.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated because I swear to God, this goes back to Derek Anderson in like 2008, uh, every time people make a big deal of the Browns, they crap the bed. A few years yeah. ago, Baker Mayfield, oh, look at what yep. – it's almost like if I were the Browns, I don't want anybody talking about us it. because history says we crap the bed.
2: Yeah, and the year prior to Baker Mayfield having all the ex- expectations uh, with, with what we saw with Hugh Jackson, um, you know, they played well. They were the, they, they were the Detroit Lions that offseason. Everyone was talking about them like we're talking right. about the Lions this year. And I was actually in Cleveland for week one of that game with Titans radio. And the Titans went in there and kicked their ass. I mean, just whitewashed them. Seven, They, they had like 15 or 16 penalties that day. Me- they were not mentally tough. They, did not, they didn't live up to the hype that day or throughout the season. And they haven't since. And now it's on Watson. It, it is on Watson and Stefanski to get it going and get it right. It's got to be an offensive-driven team. It's got to be more than just the run game there. And when you start to look at the defensive pieces that they've added, they've made some trades, they've acquired some free agent, and I think they've drafted well despite not having all these picks. It's time for Watson to put up or shut up. But regardless, he's got that NBA-type mentality, and he's got the money to, to shut up everyone in the Browns organization if he doesn't want them there.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's money is power. Hey, does LeBron get swept?
2: Yeah, I think we're going to see two sweeps. Um, I, I, with dip, for different reasons, uh, the Celtics have quit. The Celtics acted like they were down oh three last night, and they wanted to go to the off season. Right? The Lakers, I feel like Dan, are really good. They're just not great. I think Denver is great this year, and right, I don't. I, the, the Lakers, as good as they can play, even with AD going for forty like he did in game one. They're not winning a game. And I just came to the realization on Friday, I told Chad going into the weekend, I "I don't think, I think the Lakers are going to play okay. I just don't think they can beat Denver. Even when they're leading deep into the fourth quarter, the Nuggets are coming back because Jamal Murray, who hasn't hit a shot all night, starts getting hot because they allow him to keep shooting. They play through Jokic, and when Jokic isn't on offensively, he still impacts the game either through assists or with his defense and rebounding. The Lakers don't have those multiple pieces. They've got two guys and a bunch of role players. Meanwhile, the Nuggets just feel like more of a team that can go through the MVP or the former MVP who can play multiple roles so well. Very, uh, he, he can adapt to any style of game, you know. And, and the Lakers don't have that piece. AD's very inconsistent. I think they're getting swept, and I think the the Celtics will too. And I think that means for the first time in NBA history, in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We'll have back-to-back sweeps. That's never happened in a postseason.
0: You know, my uh, my lovely wife contends <clears throat> that every sport is fixed, except, of course, her sport, softball. Okay. So every sport is fixed. So it's <laughs> like there's no way they're going to let them sweep. There's no way. that You know, everybody knows, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, you know, I contend that I've never been uh, – well, I actually was in one game where the opponent did fix the game and they did go to jail, the University of Toledo. But uh, I, I don't buy that. But she, the NBA is the one sport where people look to it and think it's fixed. Is it not? It's the one sport.
2: Well, I mean, it's the one sport where we have an official that went to prison in Tim Donaghy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's why. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Uh, also, the TV – Revenue and the networks playing a factor too. I mean, the networks don't want the sweep because the NBA Finals Game One is already preset, I believe, which is next right. week, right? So, I mean, if you have two sweeps t- tonight and tomorrow, then you're left with a long layoff going into the finals. So they want to have a five or six game series for that reason. Um, but yeah, I just I don't think the Nuggets are are the team that's going to just have a letdown night personally. Uh, Even though the Lakers can hang with them, I don't think they can close them out for one game. That's how good Denver is. And meanwhile, Miami, I mean, they, they took care of business in Boston and killed off the Celtics before they even landed back in South Beach.
0: You know, I was going through, and I don't know how you feel about this, but as a coach, you always said, look. You lose, you're going to get the blame. They're going to crush you. You yep. don't need to get up there and say, it's my fault. I didn't get the team ready. Because players don't care about that. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to say, well, we're going to really help the coach. Missoula did that. All right, great. I went back and looked at the salaries. You telling me $30 million, for Jason Tatum and someone's gotta get him ready. Twenty-six million for Brown, twenty-two million for Malcolm frickin' Brogdon for crying out loud. Hey, screw that. You gotta come ready to play. And as a coach, Missoula, don't do that. Hey, I had a bad show today. That's on me. My ass. It's a bad show because my guests sucked and the callers were bad. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, man. I mean, well, <laughs> think about what he's saying. And I, I, I realize he's taking the bullet there, right? I think we all agree. I do too. He's he's trying to minimize the shrapnel throughout, that, throughout the locker room where a lot of people are going to point fingers. And instead of pointing fingers and saying we, he said me. And... Yeah. But we know it's the collective group, and it's mainly on the players. It's a player-led league. Jason Tatum claims to be a superstar. He was a no-show after being a superstar in Game 7 against Philadelphia. And they didn't have a problem getting up for that game or that series, even though they lost Game 1 of that series to Philly on their home floor. Uh, this is a team that just slept walked and they never had the juice or the energy to get going and fire up after, I mean, a first quarter. I mean, it was game over at the first quarter yesterday, last night. You've got Magic Johnson and others tweeting about the, you know, the rivalry with the Celtics in his era and, and what the Celtics organization represents for the association and for that franchise to throw in the towel. I mean, that wasn't just waving the white flag. I mean, that was coming, coming outside the door with your hands up, um, saying we're done. Send us to the off season. They wanted no part of that. And that's that is bizarre to me, considering the way they played throughout this postseason and how much they were heavy favorites in Las Vegas. Not just to win this series, but to win the title. Uh, that, this, it's a group that's got more than just a coaching issue at the podium postgame. Their top players don't show up night in and night out. Very inconsistent. But in this case, there's more to it behind the scenes. And after the season, someone's going to take the fall. And in the NBA, it's the coach.
0: Always. Always. I got two questions for you, and they both involve $200 million. You ready? Let's hit it. Uh, James Harden, they say there is an appetite for some idiot general manager to give him four years, $200 million, and Jay-Z and Beyonce just paid cash for a Malibu estate. For $200 million. We, my friend, are in the wrong business.
2: Well, we are, but we're friends with Clay Travis. So we're... Oh,
0: good. <laughs> That's, right.
2: <laughs> at least, That's right. At least we have the right gig uh, working with Clay and, and OutKick for that. No, yeah. it, it, Can you imagine? Uh, I, I can't imagine writing no. a check for a million dollars, right? There's, no. Signing, signing the check for a million dollars. Although I did see Pac-Man Jones uh, whenever he... Uh, he held out with the Titans, and it was like a 28 or 29-day holdout, back when rookies got paid, and, and it wasn't slotted. And slotted mean the salary didn't, wasn't dictated by where you're selected. And, and it, it, he didn't have direct deposit that day. He showed up, and they printed that check, <laughs> and he taped it to his locker. So when all the vets came in after 2 days they came in, and pack his, Adam Pac-Man Jones has finally arrived. Uh, there's that check taped to his locker. And I went up and saw, I was like, I saw all the zeros. I'll, it's the first welcome to the NFL moment for me. That was my first year uh, it, in any capacity covering the league. I'd never seen anything like it. And that dude was a year younger than me.
0: My brother, who is two years older than me, uh, said, here, hey, can you give this check to my, I was playing golf with my other, my friend, Cam Safai, he goes, can you give this check uh, to Cam, I go. Yeah, I looked at as three million dollars. I go, dude. He goes, yeah. He, he <laughs> built a data center in Northwest Indiana, and he got a, you know, he made generational money. I'm like, this is for three million. I go, this you or what? What? He goes, shut up and just give it. You know, all right. So that's that's the biggest one I saw. 200 million cash, largest in the history of the state of. California, Looking forward to joining you this afternoon. What's going on?
2: Man, we've got a, a lot to get to. We're going to be recapping everything that was Michael Block from, from yesterday. Amazing. Uh, just simply amazing what he did on 15. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into there. Of course, Brooks Kepka who's, who's admitted like, yeah, it's great for Liv, but it's even better for me. Uh, and I would agree. It's better for Brooks Kepka, who is, is now, what, his fifth major? So we'll, we'll hit that. And we have to discuss with you the mentality of the Boston Celtics and, and what, what that symbolizes for the guys that get paid and have zero pride and show zero effort in a must-win type game against Miami last night. So both franchises down 0-3, uh, Miami and LA, or excuse me, Boston and LA. I can't wait to pick your brain on exactly why and what mm. you think of Jokic and, and how Jimmy Butler's doing this too. Jokic is getting a ton of credit. Jimmy Butler has been amazing through the postseason yet again. And it's, it's playoff Jimmy. It's alive and well. Join us at 3 o'clock Eastern for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.
0: My Serbian brother. <laughs> Nikola Jokic, we are, uh, you know, St. Saint, Saint Sava Serbian Church in northwest Indiana is fired up. I got texts from all these guys, you know. We're drinking Shlevo and we're watching uh, Nikola. So I'm like, all right, let's gonna go. A, I'm going
2: to have in. a dinner on we'll the grounds? you going to have a dinner on the ground Sunday in the playoffs <laughs> we, to watch it?
0: <laughs> we, we might. Hot luck? We <laughs> might. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well... We're big on cakewalks there. You know what a cakewalk is?
2: I've seen a cakewalk, yeah.
0: As long as there's no fruitcake, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, I used to be the king of the Serbian cakewalk. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. I'll see you at 320. Thanks, my man. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I was. I was the king of the Serbian cakewalk. You go to SerbFest. In fact, I just turned in my, uh, my raffle tickets. You can win $10,000. Only 7000 of these are 700 So that's right. My Serbian brother, Nikola Jokic, here we go. Hey, his brothers, I think his brothers are intimidating LeBron. I do. I think Jokic's brothers are sitting there going, Hey, man, don't be doing that. Uh, Hey, man. Hey, uh uh-uh. No. I mean, damn, you know, if every guy on TV, African-American guy can call players in the NBA, my brother... I'm calling Jokic, my brother. Don't at me about it. That's my brother, my Serbian brother. I've never met him, but when the Serbs came over with uh, Vladi Divac leading the way, it changed the entire way the NBA went. In fact, I would argue you put the Serbs together, you put you know the Croats and the Serbs and everybody, I beat the hell out of the NBA All-Star team. Probably not. I got stock up, man. I got some great stock ups. We got some video. Uh, I can't wait. Hey, Shemi Shembeckler. How do you have a name? Shemi Shembeckler? Glenn Shemmy Shembeckler. What are you doing? We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Look, yes, I am the Serbian cakewalk champ. Every Serb Fest, Italian Fest, Greek Fest in Northwest Indiana, I left with a goldfish and a cake when I was a kid, little kid. I did. I love the cakewalk because I like cake. I am the Serbian cakewalk master, Jordan Stopper. That's right, no fun league sports channel. That's right. Stock up. Hey, Jamal Murray, we played the video from Mike Malone earlier. Jamal Murray, let's be honest, he's a star. Hey, if you want to see fun tonight, I know a lot of you, I got to always say it, I know a lot of you are down on the NBA because of the social stupid stuff. Watch the second half tonight if you can stay up. Holy cow, is Jamal Murray good. Like, Jamal Murray is stupid good. I mean, he dropped 23 in the fourth quarter. at 37 the other night, and I think it was Jonathan that just said, look, Jamal Murray may miss, miss, miss. They let him keep shooting. He pulled it in the eye hole of LeBron, in the eye hole of Anthony Davis. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was incredible what he was doing, Jamal Murray, and I got to tell you, I go back to it. I go back to it once again. Somebody explained to me. Somebody explain to me how Kentucky never wins. National championships, why they don't get to the Final Four every year. I mean, all these guys, you got Bam out of You got Devin Booker doing his thing. Jamal Murray doing his thing. My God, man. My God, man. All right. I don't know what to tell you, but Jamal Murray, great. Great. Great, great, and great. Uh, side note, Carmelo Anthony retired. I thought he was done. I did. I thought he was done. I I don't know. What do I know? Uh, I, Ishka ish, Bibble. All right. I did not know who this was. Well, I did not know the name Michael Block. I had no idea of the name Michael Block. Now I know the name Michael Block. You all know the name Michael Block, right? Michael Block did something that legends do. Michael Block hit got a hole in one on the 15th hole at a time when everybody was watching Michael Block. It's one thing to get a hole in one in the first round nobody knows who you are. People go, "Hey, look at this PGA pro." But the entire freaking crowd is paying attention to Michael Block. This is the party that his son's friend said, "This is at his country club." Now you got to understand something. This is just a club pro. Not just, I mean, club pros are awesome, but in the world of, I don't know, in the world of PGA tour players, it's a club pro playing with the greats uh, and some of which are the greats of all time. So at Michael blocks club, people are celebrating the dude. Like, look at this, look at this freaking guy. All he did was go out and get a hole in freaking one when, oh, I don't know, the entire world's watching. Jeez! And then he has to get up and down to make the top 15 and get invited back. Arroyo Trabuco Golf Club. All right? So my man made 500 grand yesterday. I'm sorry. No, he didn't. 288000 333. All right. He charges about 100 bucks a golf lesson. He would have to give 1,922 golf lessons. How about that? It's a pretty good weekend for Michael Block, and now he's invited to next week's tournament. I don't like it. I absolutely love it. Good for him. Seriously. Not kind of good for him. Good for him. No? Yes? Thoughts? I like it. I do. I think it is freaking awesome, and I'm glad that this guy, Michael Block, got himself into next week's tournament, and I hope he makes the cut because, well, frankly, um, I don't know. I want him to make more money. He seemed like a decent dude, and if you're a decent dude, then I'm all in on you because we all want to be decent dudes. Stock up. Let's look at Evan Supley. Do you know who Evan Supley is? He's one of your favorite characters, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. He's one of your favorite characters from Remember the Titans. He was a fat lineman. Siri, he was awesome. The dudes lost 100 pounds. He is shredding weight. He lost more than that. He is best known for his role in as Eddie Hickney in My Name is Earl, Louie Lasik, in Remember the Titans. He was awesome in Remember the Titans. Now he's 46 years old. He weighed at one time 536 pounds. He's lost half of that. He's lost 250 pounds. That's pretty good. He was on, he had a podcast named American Glutton. He shared the brutal process of undergoing two major surgeries to get rid of excess skin. You know, as fat guys, we got all this skin hanging. I'm on another 36 hours of fasting because, well, I ate a lot this weekend. But guys like this give me freaking, I don't know what the right word is. They get me excited. They get me fired up. Yeah. Thumbs up, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares is returning. See, Gordon Ramsay is my kind of guy. Gordon Ramsay is the kind of guy that doesn't really take a lot of crap from people. Gordon Ramsay's like, hey, look, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, You want to act like an idiot? I got no interest in you. So his Food Nightmares show, Returning to TV, is fantastic because, well, I like things like that. I like things where, like bar rescue, I like things where things often go astray, and next thing you know, we're not messing around, we got we to gotta get in there, and we got to get after it, we got to get after it, good, good for Gordon Ramsay, I want him back on my TV, I think his restaurants are all right. I mean, let's be honest. Do you really like any of these guys' restaurants? Don Shula steaks, Gordon Ramsay. They're fine. But I did like his show. I do like cooking shows. I like cooking shows. What can I tell you? All right. This is going to piss you off. And I don't want to piss you off. But imagine your freaking dog. I would love this if it were my dog. Uh, A golden retriever name, it's out of, Tucker Budseason has close to 25 million followers across social media, 11 million on TikTok, five YouTube, four Facebook, three on Instagram, 62,000 on Twitter. Because of this, you got to pay this dog for a YouTube post, 40 to 60 grand for a 30 minute pre-roll. Instagram, we make about Twenty thousand from anywhere, from three to eight stories. June of two thousand and eighteen, the day this guy, Courtney Budzin, got him, they started it. Next thing you know, uh, they're earning an estimated sixty-six to eleven thousand per TikTok post. How about that? How about that? There's a lot of other dogs that are trying. A lot of other dogs that think they're cool, but not like this guy, not like Tucker. Listen to this Courtney used to clean houses, the mom, and the dad was a civil engineer, and they wised up. They're like, Why are we doing this crap? How about we just show and go with Tucker, the dog? All right, all right, there you go. So, video your dog, be clever. And next thing you know, you too, ladies and gentlemen, can have yourself a well, a fortune. You know, you gotta put out some TikToks, you gotta put out some Instagrams, but hell, seems to be worth it. Uh, stock down, and I'm always gonna say stock down to this guy, because I I I thought he was gonna be great. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell uh wasn't great. He's got to remain aggressive in our stock down. So this guy was an all-star. He's averaging seven points, four rebounds, shooting 26 or 29% from the floor, 14% from threes. He's an unrestricted free agent. He was pretty good early. Stock down. They're trying to, the Lakers are, going to replace Him, D'Angelo Russell, with Kyrie Irving. Boy, doesn't that always work out for the team that wants an older Kyrie Irving. Worked out well with LeBron the first time, obviously. But wow. Golly, if you could get Kyrie Irving and James Harden and Kevin Durant on the same team, oh, wait a second. It actually happened. Oh, boy. D'Angelo Russell is too involved in stupid stuff. D'Angelo Russell, I remember covering him in the Big Ten. He had more talent than anybody maybe in the Big Ten other than Glenn Robinson when I was in the Big Ten, but he's just got stupid stuff going on. Speaking of stupid stuff, there is nobody worse in our society than a guy named Ben Crump. Ben Crump is a bigot. Ben Crump is a racist. Ben Crump is a popular, I guess, trial attorney for justice, civil rights advocate, and he's a liar. He's a stone-cold liar. Ben Crump put out a video where he did what race baiters do. He put out a video about a pregnant white woman not letting black kids steal her bike. The level of buffoonery of Ben Crump is incredible. This is unacceptable, Ben Crump said. A white woman caught on camera attempting to steal a city bike from a young black man in New York City. She grossly tried to weaponize her tears to paint this man as a threat. This is exactly the type of behavior that has endangered so many black men in the past. Oh, uh, by the way, Ben Crump, you lying bigot. Uh, Ben Crump had to delete this because it was a lie. The woman had paid for it. The woman had paid for the bike, and these punks were harassing her. Isn't it amazing? So now this woman, who is a nurse, uh, was put on leave, and she's six months pregnant, had done a 12-hour shift prior. I guarantee these punks that harassed her haven't worked 12 hours in their life. These punks, after she swiped her card, came up on her and said they paid for it. They're totally, completely lying. Isn't it amazing that this idiot Crump has yet to apologize? Uh, why would anybody believe this idiot? But I guarantee you the people around Crump like, that's great, man. White people deserve it. That's what's happening here. I mean, I understand the world that we live in. So there's no way he's ever, ever, ever going to Ever going to apologize? He is a fraud. He is a liar. He is a bigot. And nothing he says should be ever taken seriously. Period. Call me whatever you want. Say whatever you'd like to me. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is who Ben Crump is. I tell you, who else is an idiot? Glenn Shemy Schmbeckler. So Glenn. Shemmy Shembekler is uh, the great, according to you all, Bo Shembekler's son, Oh Shemmy. Shemmy's been a scout. Shemmy has been a guy that has been around it for a long, long time. Shemmy Shembekler then gets hired by Jim Harbaugh to bring the old with the new, right? Shemmy's got a background in football only problem is, like Ben Crump, it appears that Shemi Schembechler is a bit of a bigot himself, liking racist tweets, putting stuff out there that are racist. He had over 1,500 liked tweets purged before deleting his account and resigning. I don't know what to tell you. I got no idea. I don't know what they all were. I don't really care. I just know that if you are involved with the Becklers, you're probably an idiot. Has there ever been a more overrated coach than Bo Schembechler? Never won a national title. People act like he's the greatest thing in the history of the world. And his son's an idiot. Uh, That's all I got. That's basically... All I got. Now, do I think somebody for liking tweets should be made to resign? No. I think we put far too much emphasis on that kind of stuff. But hey, it is the world that we live in. So, Shemi, you're out of here. Whatever. Uh, the New York subway system is idiotic. The New York subway system has gone to hell. That's it. He, it's gone to hell. People are raping, robbing, peeing, throwing. It's like a scene (laughs) from House of Cards. It's like a scene where, you know what? My man pushes Mara, the lady, the reporter, off the train tracks, into the train, gone wild. Now, I don't know if a sitting senator would do that, but it sure was good TV. Look, I never had a problem on the New York subway, but apparently now, because in the great city of New York, and I did consider it a great city... There is no accountability for crime. There is nothing in there where in fact, crime has any consequences. Of course, that's all of our cities as we saw another rampage by kids in Chicago the other day. It's just what we do. We do not have any, and I mean none, none. No accountability. So the subway system is the wild west. Police are hamstrung in New York. The mayor, Eric Adams, is a complete dumbass. You get what you hire. You hired this guy. It's a sanctuary city, except until what? Illegal immigrants come into the sanctuary city, and next thing you know, they're overrunning everything, and an unprepared, stupid mayor gets what he deserves. Joe Villano, I don't know. He should have gotten more than he deserved. Team Canada's Joe Valeno was suspended five games, stomping on the back of a Swiss player's leg during the national championships, the world championships. I got to tell you, this idiot who plays for the Detroit uh, Red Wings is the leading scorer for Canada. He's a terrific player. But I got to tell you, when you stomp on somebody in basketball, you're stomping on them with a flat gym shoot. When you stop on somebody, oh, I don't know, in hockey, you're stomping on them and you're trying to chop their damn leg off. Why are we trying to chop people's legs off in hockey? Let's not do that, please. Sheesh, basketball, yeah, you're just being a little frat boy like Christian Leitner stomping on Amino Timberlake. In this day and age, I think Leitner would go to jail because it's a white dude stomping an African-American. That would be considered a felony. But in the world of hockey, I guess five games is enough, but really when you do it with your leg, you are trying to chop someone's leg off. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you see this? This is the latest from our president. I want you to know that this man speaking is actually the president of the United States of America. Yes, the country that we live in, I believe this is at the World Economic Forum, is represented by this. Let's listen.
1: You didn't pass everything from the, the global warming bill. Anyway, I was able to cut by $1.7 billion in the first two years, the deficit that we uh, were, were accumulating. And uh, because I was able to say to it that the 55 corporations in America that made 40 400 billion dollars, or 40 billion dollars, 400 billion dollars, that uh, they uh, they pay zero in tax, zero.
0: We are represented by a man whose brain does not work. We are, we we have a man whose brain does not work. Uh, it just doesn't. And I think Clay put it out there the other day. Isn't it amazing that uh, the, I bet it would be amazing the stuff that this guy says behind closed doors? We are arrogant. We are stupid. We are Joe Biden. We are racist. Joe Biden is incredibly racist. Joe Biden represents us. And that's what we get right there. It's shocking. It's shocking that at the G7 summit, I guess, we're going to put that man up in front of everybody to represent us. That man and nobody in the media is going to say a word about it. It's infuriating. It really is. Like the American people need to stand up. I don't know. I'm not calling for civil war or anything like that. But the American people need to stand up against this. I mean, there, there is no media coverage of this other than on TikTok. There is nothing. There is zero, zip, nada. It's astounding to me that this is where we're headed. It is. It's astounding to me that we act like people actually voted for this man. It's astounding to me that nobody, and I mean nobody in the mainstream media, is commenting on this. It's unbelievable. It's sad, sure. I mean, I get the sad part. You know, okay, the man's brain doesn't work. He should not be president of the United States. I mean, it's very simple. But, I mean, when you listen to that, you're like, my God, what what, what are we doing here in this country? You know, you can defend them all you'd like, and that's fine. It just shows you're an idiot. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but it does. It just shows that we... You know, this guy Fetterman is in a hoodie and and, and the, the media is portraying that as a good thing, that this idiot walks around Congress in shorts and a freaking uh, hoodie with mental health issues. That's what the New York Times is, well, you know, he found his footing. No, he's an he's, he's idiot. He, he's not mentally well. Why are, we, why are we celebrating all of these folks who have mental health issues? We need to get smart folks running this country. We need to get people that can think. We need to get people that can act. We need to get people that can walk around. We need to get people that are human beings. I don't know what this is. Man, oh man. All right, let's see what we got. What do we got today on the Wokadope scale? Man, yeah, this is unbelievable. Yeah, hey, I don't think Indianapolis should be considered a sanctuary city. We don't consider ourselves a sanctuary city. How about illegal immigrants get sent back home, dumbass? Every time the mayor of New York opens his mouth, stupid stuff comes. Remember when this clown was so proud? We welcomed the dreamers. We, Yeah, really? How's it going now, slick? Uh, not very well. It is amazing how full of crap these folks are on the liberal side. See, you've always got to preface it. These folks, somebody would say, well politicians on the liberal side are these folks okay this idiot uh yeah every every city yeah that's exactly what Democrats want It's exactly so they can vote in every city you know what you ought to do if you were smart you'd put them out in the country that's what you do that's where Republicans live real people yeah. Man, isn't it amazing? We want our dreamers. We want our dreamers until we get our dreamers. It's a sanctuary city. Can't tell them where to go. What's next? Man. Oh, this is our girl. I don't know if I can see that one. I got to take a closer look. This is a lady that's funny. Really, really funny. Uh, she is just fake and I love everything about her. So you can see right there. Like, look at her. Go get them, lady. Children from drag shows love drag shows, but often hide their enthusiasm from fear of backlash. Yeah, great. I don't, children also love to eat boogers. Children also love to get up at four in the morning and, uh, pee their pants. Children also love to run around the park in circles. If you don't tell some children not to eat poop, some might eat poop. I mean, what are you doing? Oh, children love it. Oh, great. Well, then that's a reason to do it because children love it. That's the level we're at in this country. If children love it, if children love it, then we must do it. Eight-year-old, you don't like that pee pee? Cut it off. Little girl, you like playing baseball? Oh, you must be a boy. Seriously. Look at this picture. Look at these two idiots, these two guys. Look at this little girl scared to death. These two guys woke up in the morning and said, you know, I'm going to put on my cotton candy hair, put a set of fake boobs on, and I'm going to go dance in front of kids. I'm going to go dance in front of kids. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to go to an elementary school, dress like that, and dance in front of kids. But hey, there's no, I mean, there is absolutely no mental health issues with this. At least that's what they're telling me. If you wake up and you decide that you're going to dress up like that as a man and go twerk in front of children, you have mental health issues and you're a pedophile. That's my statement. I don't care if you don't like it. That's a fact. That is a fact. Period. Of course, John Buzzard says my two year old would try poop if I'd let him. Yeah. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, we want kids to have the say. Oh, all right. Really? Okay. I guess. If that's what you're telling me, I, I you know, I don't give a damn. Let me let me just put it to you this way. I don't give a damn what a kid wants. I didn't give a damn what my kid wanted. The only thing I let my kids dictate to me are things I didn't care about. What 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 would you like for Christmas? I don't care. What do you want? Hey, you guys wanna to go to Chuck E. Cheese or you wanna to go to McDonald's and play? I don't care. I didn't let my kids dictate anything that I cared about. Hey, Dad, I feel like wagging off my pee pee. Bad choice of words, but you get my point, slicing off. Oh, no, we're not gonna do that. No, I don't think that's right. It's unbelievable. Brooke, great work. Dylan's out today. Great work. Ryan, fantastic. And thanks to all of you that watch. Thanks to all of you that listen. Enjoy. See you.